0: Good morning. It's good to be with you again this week. I want to apologize. Last week this fell off my ear when I was doing the sermon. And it has already fallen off twice just since trying to come up here. So I'll try to keep hanging it back up. Uh, I did have them put a mic on the pulpit so I don't have to worry about moving my arms or moving around during the sermon. It's good to see all of you here today and uh, may we have a service that truly helps us embrace our life and make our lives worth living. Amen. Our gathering hymn, praise my soul, the God of heaven. The Lord be with you you. let us pray benevolent God you are the source the guide and the goal of our lives teach us to love what is worth loving to reject what is offensive to you and to treasure what is precious in your sight through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord Amen. amen May be
1: the teacher of wisdom who wrote Ecclesiastes sees the working for mere accumulation of wealth turns life into an empty game, a vanity of vanities. Nevertheless, he asserts in the next verse it is good to find enjoyment in one's work because such enjoyment is a gift from God. A reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. I, the teacher, the king over Israel and Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out the wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and chasing after wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me, and who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet they, have, they will be master for all for which I toiled, and used my wisdom under the sun. This, is also, this also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is a vanity. In addition to the reading as printed, these are the following three verses. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For to the one who pleases him God gives wisdom, knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and heaping, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is a vanity and chasing after the wind. Word of God, word of life. Life in Christ includes radical, or reorientation of our values. Just as the newly baptized shed their old clothes and put on new garments, so Christians are called to let go of greed and take hold of a life shaped by God's love in Christ. A reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your who is your life is revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. Put to death therefore whatever in you is earthly: fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, The wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have been stripped off the old self with these practices and have clothed yourselves with a new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator in the renewal there is no longer greek and jew circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave and free but christ is all and in all word of god word of life please rise for the reading of the gospel
2: That you
0: bring. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the twelfth chapter. You, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inha- family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kind of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them this parable the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And the man thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The scriptures are like a rich treasury of human experiences and stories about how we here on earth wrestle with life right here, supported by God, who we cannot see. But yet throughout the ages they have inspired and aided people to find meaning and purpose in their lives. Today let's explore some of the human experiences and stories in today's lessons to better grasp what makes life worth living. First we begin with that reading from Ecclesiastes. We hear an aged teacher or elder reflecting back on his life and life in general for the sake of those who listen to him and heed his words. He affirms that wisdom is better than folly and light is more helpful than darkness, yet he still sees human character and accomplishments as not really achieving anything that is truly lasting he realized that the wise will die just like the fools die. And in both cases, it seems to him it's a vanity, a breath, a chasing after the wind, something unsubstantial and fleeting. Yet though reason leaves him baffled, he moves on later in the chapter to affirm that life with all its limitations, is still worth living because it's God's gift to us. Our very selves, everything we do and see and experience, comes from the hand of God. God, the source of our life, is the one who can help us make sense, who can truly help us find lives worth living. Now some people find this view to be rather pessimistic But it seems to me it is very realistic When we look around every day there is so much that would cause us to despair to give up to lose hope It's easy to understand what seems like a pessimistic worldview But let's get real That is the reality of this world. And so much even of our wisdom and our knowledge and our striving are like trying to chase the wind. This aged sage passes on his wisdom to future generations, including those of us here today. Not to spread doubt or despair, but to strip away our illusions that success and security and prosperity are what we should trust in. This brings us to today's gospel reading, which as we heard is really a story of an experience Jesus had one day with somebody that contains a story or parable within it. First, let's consider the outer story or the framing story for the parable. Jesus one day has someone who is a younger brother come up to him. Now, in that day and time, he knows he will never inherit anything from the labors and achievements of his father. Yes, in those days, anybody younger than the older son, male or female, had no claim on the family inheritance. And so this young man steps forward and says to Jesus, that's not fair, in essence. He says, come on to my side and help support me in a claim for half of the inheritance, Inheritance, after all, He's the older brother, I'm the younger brother, there's no one else, so let's divide it in two. But in a world where land and possessions were scarce, the right of the eldest son to inherit all was considered at that time the way to preserve security for the whole family. And does Jesus step into the fray? No, instead he chooses not to mediate in a dispute, but rather he challenges the younger brother to think about his own covetousness and draw his own conclusions and find his own answers to what will give his life meaning. In effect, he warns him to be on guard against greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And that's true whether you're the younger or the older brother. Whether you're one who has everything or whether you're the one who can expect nothing This brings us to the story within the story or the parable Jesus uses, not just to probe that young man and help him find his own answers, but to everyone who was listening that day, and still to those who listen today to these words of Jesus. This has been called the parable of the rich fool. The parable itself is the story of the clever farmer. He is smart and organized. Way long before agribusiness, he's got the big picture. How to make tons of money. The land produced abundantly, and the farmer is already rich, but rather than selling his goods, his overabundance of crops, at the reduced prices, which they would bring if he would place them on the current market, he decides to hold back his goods and save them for a later time. Maybe he even thinks, there'll be a time of scarcity, and then I'll make an even bigger profit. And so he builds his bigger barns, and he sits back to eat, drink, and be merry. But then reality crashes in, says Jesus, for he wakes up at night in a cold sweat, and he hears God's voice saying, This night you will die, and what will happen with all your treasures, with all your possessions and accomplishments? This story within a story challenges us all as Luke then returns to the outer story with these parting words of Jesus to the young man and to the crowd. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. We all have to deal sooner or later with these kinds of issues. Sometimes we look at others and think, oh, if only. Or we think, you know, I, I just can't, I can't do more because I've got to keep my own nest feathered really well. But if we are only concerned with success, that's a very limited kind of security. Being only concerned with success always narrows our horizon to this plane only and blinds us to the vertical dimension of life. We forget to look up. We are challenged today to find richness in God constantly, every day that helps make life more meaningful than all the grabbing and hoarding or fixating on prosperity or possessions can bring. No matter what we have, what we have had, what we've lost, or what we still have. Now, I want to switch to two stories from the last hundred years both of which, for me, I heard years ago, but they have been like guideposts for me to ponder what life is really about. The first story could be entitled The Gospel of Prosperity or The Gospel of Self and where it ultimately leads. It begins as a story of earthly success, But it ends as a story in which the lives truly of the individuals felt that their lives were not worth living. In 1923, almost a hundred years ago, there was a meeting held at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. And there were nine of the world's most successful financiers, men who found the secret of making money. Let me name them for you. Charles Schwab was the president of the largest independent steel company. Samuel Insull was a British-born American who became president of the largest utility company. Howard Hobson was president of the largest gas company. Arthur Cotton was a leading wheat speculator. Richard Whitney was president of the New York Stock Exchange. Albert Fall was a member of the president's cabinet. Jesse Livermore was considered the sharpest investor on Wall Street. Ivan Kruger was called the match king for he was head of the world's largest monopoly, that of matches at that time. And finally, there was Leon Fraser, president of the World Bank. These nine men were the epitome of success in the 1920s. But over the next 20-some years, this was their fate. Charles Schwab died bankrupt and lived on borrowed money for the last five years of his life. Insel died a fugitive from justice and lived penniless in a foreign, foreign land. Hobson went insane and spent the rest of his life in his asylum. Cotton died overseas, unable to pay all his debts. Whitney was sent to Sing Sing. Albert Fall was pardoned from his prison sentence only so that he could die at home. And the last three, Livermore, Frazier, and Kruger, each of them committed suicide. They learned well the art of money-making, but it would seem the verdict of history is that none of them learned how to find lives that were worth living, no matter what they had or didn't have. The bulls of the market became, if you will, like lambs led to the slaughter. In 1930, right after the big crash, Schwab was quoted as saying, I'm afraid, and everyone is, I don't know, we don't know whether the values we have are going to be real next month or not. He was not necessarily talking about moral values. He was talking about all of their investments. Would these values be there the next month or not? Now, I want to come to a very contemporary story, Millard Fuller. Today, we esteem him as the founder of Habitat for Humanity. We often think of Jimmy Carter in that role because when Fuller died, Jimmy Carter kind of became the face attached to Habitat. But Fuller was a millionaire at the age of 29. He was born in 35, and so in 1959, he married wealthy, wealthy. He was a contractor who dedicated all his time and talent to piling up riches for himself, obsessed with trying to grow a million into millions, when just six years after his marriage, his life seemed to fall apart. His wife of those six years said, I've had it, I'm leaving you, I'm done. This led him to some wrestling with his life and what really he was doing and where he would find meeting. He was gripped by despair. He realized that he had made money, but he'd lost his values, his family possibly, his friends, and he had forgotten all about the faith in which he was raised. And so he turned to someone he had met during those years, a recognized biblical scholar who was also a farmer, Clarence Jordan, way back in 1942, when Fuller himself was only six years old. Fuller it was a biblical scholar decided to put his talk into practice. He gathered together, black, white, poor, well-off, together, invited them to come farm together. It was called Koinonia Farm, an interracial farming community in southwest Georgia. Over the next two years... Fuller realized he did have to and could turn his life around. He got help. Eventually, he and his wife reconciled as he truly shared with her his change of heart. And that not only saved his marriage, but what he did for the rest of his life gave him meaning and purpose. Meaning and purpose that continues to echo. That's why I didn't use this today for the sermon. I'll try to rescue myself from it. Anyhow, that gave him meaning and purpose, but also gave so many people in the world, even today, meaning and purpose. For he realized the blessings that he enjoyed were meant to be shared and enjoyed by others, and that God's blessings come into our hands so that they can flow through us to others. So in 1968, after giving up all their wealth and refocusing their lives on Christian service, they moved their children to Koinonia Farm, and they lived there five years, learning and seeing how the monies that they had earned now in the hands of this and other charitable institutions could help people find lives worth living as well as helping them. After five years in the community, they were ordained in the disciples of Christ to go and take this idea of Habitat for Humanity to Zaire. They worked there three years and established a successful house building program, then came back to the United States, where in 1976 Habitat for Humanity was founded. It's an ecumenical Christian organization or ministry, but it's dedicated to eliminating poverty for all people, of all religions, of all backgrounds. Habitat now works in all 50 states in the U.S. and is found in more than 70 countries and thus far has helped, according to their current webpage, 39 million people worldwide achieve strength, stability, and independence through safe, decent, affordable shelter. And one of the secrets of it is what they call sweat equity. If I'm going to help you, join with me. Let's do this together. And miracles happen and continue to happen every day through the work Of this ministry and peoples every day are helped to have the stability to enjoy and to embrace the gifts God's given them so that they can pass it on to others well what can we do what do we do to make every day of our lives meaningful now I don't think any of us are going to become as rich as the Foolers were, are going to be doing the incredible things that Jordan did, or even that Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, notable for their work in Habitat for Humanity, have been able to accomplish. But all these stories can inspire us and empower us to make sure that we're living every day to make our lives and the lives of those around us worth living. Yes, we are to be God's servants in this time, in this place, and use our efforts, our resources, our love to serve God, to do what is pleasing to God, which means we also serve others. May the stories I've shared today prompt us to think again about our lives. What makes them meaningful every day? Do we appreciate the blessings God's put into our hands? Do we thank God for them? And how have we passed them on? How can we pass them on? How have we used and can we use them to foster life-giving relationships with God and with others? Amen. Let us join together, confessing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried Amen. We join in the prayers of the Church.
1: Trusting in God's extraordinary love, let us come near to the Holy One in prayer. oh god you are wholeness where there is division in your church bring reconciliation and healing guide the work of theologians sunday school teachers seminarian professors and all who provide instruction for the building up of your church lord in your mercy
3: hear our prayer
1: oh god you are a source of all life where creation cries out in distress Bring relief and renewal. Bless farmers, ranchers, distributors, and all who provide our food. Nourish the land and all its habitants. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
1: O God, you are wisdom. Where nations and communities yearn for peace, bring justice. Strengthen those who toil for the welfare of others, especially military personnel, police, first responders, and activists and for the healing of the nations. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
1: O God, you are life. Where your people are overwhelmed with the busyness of life, bring encouragement. Accompany all who experience emotional, mental, or physical distress. Renew us at your table of mercy. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
1: O God, you are a treasure where s- scarcity and anxiety pervade your church, bring abundance and vitality. Guide the work of church councils and committees and give them clarity for the work of ministry in this place. Lord, in your mercy. For whom or what else do the people of God pray?
2: For my brother
0: Shauna a science Lord your mercy. Hear our prayer. For Hanata and her family as she goes
1: through a very grueling series of chemotherapy. Lord in your mercy. Hear our, our prayer.
0: prayer.
1: For the family of my friend Annie, who passed away early this morning. Lord your
0: mercy. Hear our prayer. for those who are victims of fires in California, of floods in Kentucky, for the war and all of its devastating consequences in the Ukraine, for all those who suffer from these kind of man-made and what we call natural disasters. God sustain and strengthen them and move in the hearts of people to help them. At the same time, O God, help us see the handwriting on the wall that we must protect the earth and all of its resources instead of depleting them. O God, in your mercy, hear our our prayer. prayer. O God of loving-kindness, we pray for each Person gathered here among us today, that you be with all of us in our joys and in our challenges. We pray for Pastor Dan, for the family of Joan Hoover upon Joan's death, Iris, who requests prayers for Venezuela, Peggy's friend, Joy, the Vega family, Candy's sister in law, Elena, John's sister in law, Marsha, Pat's sister, Donna, Ruth, Richard. Heidi's cousins, Melissa and Dennis, Georgina, Susan's friend, Annie, the Unceths, Jessica and her parents, John's friend, Ken, Joanne's cousin, Christine, Karen's brother, David, John's son-in-law, Jim, Awetash, Mulugeta, Jan, Ben, Jean, Hilde, Lee, Mary, Barb, Carol, and Denny. O oh Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O
1: oh God, you are resurrection. Give us thanks for all your saints. Inspire us by the example of faithful living to set our minds on things above and to be rich in love toward you. Lord, in your mercy,
0: hear our prayer.
1: Receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love. Through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Amen. Amen.
0: Please rise now as you are able for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
2: Holy Lord, God of power and light, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Bless.
0: In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup, Is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin do this for the remembrance of me lord inspire us to work toward your kingdom and teach us to pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done Please be seated. So, if you happen to have the little mini pack communion, this is a good time to turn it first upside down so you can pull out the bread, and then turn it the other way, pull off the top so you can commune yourself at the pew. In this place, all baptized Christians are welcome to the table of grace. As I said, if you wish to receive from the pew, use the communable. Otherwise, we invite you to come forward now and receive by intinction. Simply take the bread you receive and dip it either into the wine or to the grape juice on the farthest left. Understood correctly. Thank you. Carol, the body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you, Janetta. The body of Christ broken for you. Amen. Iris, the body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you, Lord. The body of Christ broken for you, Lord. Good
3: senior day. Body of Christ broken for you.
0: The body of Christ broken for you. Of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Joel, the body of Christ
3: broken for you.
0: body of Christ broken for you, the body of Christ broken for you, Aaron. May the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen us and confirm us in lives that are worth living. Amen. Let us bow our heads for the post-communion prayer. Life-giving God through this meal, you have bandaged our wounds and fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to know your love. This we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Just a few announcements. I know there's one about school supplies, so come on up to the lectern.
3: This will be a slight repeat from last week, only updated. As you all know, uh, we're working on getting supplies for our LWR school kits and the email that went out Friday has a list of supplies and it has some suggestions where you can go and in particular it tells you some prices you might look for Um, and if you don't want to go shopping you can donate into the collection plate and just say you're donating for kit supplies or even shipping of the the kits in the fall Um, but I will point out this past week I've been to several of the normal stores like Freddy's and Target and wherever. And every one of their stores is different. Um, The Freddy's in Fremont Ballard is very little on sale, very little organized. The one up on 85th, everything is organized. And I suggest if you really want to go to Freddy's and you aren't too far from them, they're very good. Because they have, in particular, the notebooks at $0.25. We need four notebooks for every school kit. but they have pretty much everything else. Target has a few of the items. I've listed them all in the email that you got Friday. Call me up if you need more specifics. Um, I won't bore you with that. And one good bit of news, for those of you who helped load the container last May, some of you know that um, our trucking company, Intermodal Transportation Company, only provided us one container and so we had to actually store 500 boxes at Ballard First Lutheran. And they were there up until Wednesday, and they left. So everything has been shipped now from, from May, which is good news. And we also now have an alternative way maybe to ship if we need it, which is good. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Are there any other announcements that need to be made particularly, I invite you to look at the announcements, of course, in your bulletin. Please rise for the benediction. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord's face shine on us and be gracious to us. May the Lord look upon us with favor and give us peace. Amen. Our closing hymn, 545, Lord dismiss us with your blessing.